I'm Morgan. I'm Odette. And I'm Madeline. And, and we, we love Christian fiction. fiction. We love it so much that we wanted to talk about it on a podcast. Each episode, we will read classics of the genre or new releases. And discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. So come join us. Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of Redeeming Lit Podcast. Here we are. Here we are. This is the first episode in our biblical fiction theme. Biblical fiction theme. Here we are. We are reading. Today we are talking about Miriam's Song by Jill Eileen Smith. Yes. Who has written many biblical fiction, a lot in the biblical fiction subgenre of Christian fiction. Mm -hmm. So... Yes. But I think our all of all three of our first times. Yes, reading I had not read her or heard of her yeah. before. No, yep. I'd heard of her, but I'd never read any of her things. Um, yeah, so that's exciting. Um, do I just jump right into reading the back cover? So we don't have any yes. housekeeping. We don't have any housekeeping. Have any housekeeping no. this episode. No. Okay. All right. Here we go. Let's go. From the very beginning, Miriam has lived in her younger brother's shadow. Thrust into the role of protective older sister before Moses was even born, she will grow up into a woman who bears the burden of leading a new nation, of helping lead a new nation. In her mind, she knows that she is serving both her God and her people, but in her heart, Miriam yearns for more. She longs to experience the privilege Moses has, to talk with God face to face, but when God finally does speak directly to her, the outcome is not at all what she expects. With her impeccable research and keen eye for detail, best-selling author Jill Eileen Smith offers this epic novel to fill in the gaps in Miriam's story. Following her from childhood to motherhood, obscurity to notoriety, and yearning to fulfillment as she learns what God, that what God promises he provides in his own perfect timing. Wow. Thank you, Morgan. Um, full disclaimer, the library, which we've gone on um, conversations about before, it, the barcode was over the book. So that, the, the <laughs> over back some of that. Some the of the back so Which it makes it tricky. Is. I mean, I feel like I still think libraries need to think about where they put a book cup, a, a book barcode because... Mm-hmm. Then said if it before, you're trying, we'll say it again. I'll keep saying it. <laughs> because, like, why couldn't they have put it over this, like, praise for that? Because also, too, like, what, what, why you, not? All of the, all of the cover space is utilized, yes. to be fair. So it is, you kind of have to decide, oh, what? Here's my thing. I want to know about the author, and I want to know about the back cover of the book. Yeah. I never read the, like, no, cause, little praise things. Well, because, because also, like, I don't know that, unless I'm specifically looking for a, uh, call out to why the book is good i'm looking at the subject matter and the author right i would agree especially like if you're in like if you don't know yeah. you know what i mean like if you're browsing for books at the library and right. you're just picking stuff up yeah um although most of it is not. yeah most of it is if anyone not. works in the library system though and has thoughts on why mm-hmm. barcodes are placed the way that they are maybe it's for ease of use or something like mm-hmm. that if you have to catalog like the dewey decimal system maybe there's like lots sure. of reasons as to the placement of it because mm-hmm. i've always found it to be a problem um, I would agree. So, anyways, just just curious if anyone works for system and you know has thoughts or ideas or um, knowledge, that'd be great. <laughs> just general knowledge. Just general knowledge. Yeah. Um, okay. I mean, star ratings, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, dear. Yeah. <laughs> no. Do who wants to you go, go first? first. <laughs> you go first. Okay. I went first. I think I did. Well, I don't know. Okay. You go first. Um, I'll go first. <laughs> um, so I rated this three stars. Um, I I thought it was okay. Um, I thought it was. <laughs> Wow. I don't know why what I said deserved that. I thought it was okay. okay. No, I did. Like, I thought it was okay. It wasn't my favorite thing. Um, It wasn't my least favorite thing. I did personally feel like the story dragged a bit. Um, 
like actually in the, one of the Bible studies that I'm doing, I'm currently reading the book of Exodus. So that was kind of interesting to read it alongside this fiction novel. Um, but even still, I thought the story dragged just a little bit for me. Um, and so that is probably why I gave it three. Okay. That's what I'm going to say. I'm giving this book two stars. Okay. I feel <laughs> like oh their faces. Um, so here's the, the, the thing. I wanted more. Um, because I feel like a lot of the story, and I understand that biblical fiction, which I'm going to talk about in one of my um, relevant research, kind of what biblical fiction is and how that's kind of defined. But when I'm reading biblical fiction, I want to know the author's imagination. I want it to go. I feel like it was very well researched, I will say. It felt like very accurate to the time, um, even in the research I did on her stuff in the book. It, it definitely felt very accurate. Mm -hmm. But there was a part of it that I felt like it was a little bit lackluster, in my opinion. And it felt very, I was a little bored felt very flat um, and I told the, the girls I was looking based on the cover I thought it was gonna be more of a romance and so I was looking for romance and not prayers and plagues so that's why. there are a lot of prayers and plagues in this yes. one I was hopeful in the beginning and you know and I also know like it stayed very true to the story also I feel like it was way more about Moses than it was Miriam and I told the girls I think it should be called Moses's melody because I feel like it was <laughs> not instead of Miriam's song. Yeah, because I feel like it was way more about Moses, but I get like I there get was a your, lot of Moses. Yeah. I get your brother is Moses, but like there was even stuff from his point of view. We get that your, your brother's, brother's Moses, Moses Miriam. <laughs> but like I wanted to hear her story. I wanted to kind of see things come alive in a way, which is why I like reading historical and even bit biblical fiction. I like because I understand that it's someone's interpretation of the time based on their research and based on the biblical story but like I want you to put more color commentary into it and mm -hmm. I want it to come alive in a way that makes this person feel even more real than you know when I'm reading scripture right. so yeah mm -hmm. um so I also gave this book two stars um I <laughs> I, I mean full disclosure guys I really did not like I did not enjoy this book mm -hmm. um there wasn't anything like inherently wrong with it. I mean, and it's probably a lot of people's cup of tea. Um, it just was not mine. I just, I didn't, I didn't think the characters were, um, had a lot of, uh, like anything like new or fresh mm -hmm. about them, um, outside of what I already know about them from scripture. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I concur with Odette that I was hoping that that wouldn't be the case, that there would be a little bit more like fleshing out of what these characters might have really been feeling and um, as they walked through these insane things that mm -hmm. happened to them during their life. Um, so yeah, I was like, um, wah, wah. didn't really live up to my expectations. All right, that's fair. Now it is. <laughs> oh, it's time for, it's time for Mad Red Spread Reviews. <laughs> So, um, I, I, there was, most people on, in the Goodreads community did not share my opinion. Or my opinion. Or Odette's opinion. Or Morgan's opinion. And there was lots of five-star reviews. Wow. Um, most of those five-star <laughs> reviews were, were books. So I'm not going to read, um, I found one that was. A reasonable length. A reasonable <laughs> length. So I'm going to read that one. Um, this is a five-star review from Teresa. Okay. She said. Her subtitle is excellent. She said, Marion has always fascinated me. Marion? <laughs> like, like the librarian? Marion the librarian? <laughs> me She's too. talking about Miriam? She's talking yes. about Marion. But she said, Marion, M-A-R-I-A-N, 
has always fascinated me, as do all the women in the Bible. Being Moses' sister is more intriguing. This is a story of the exodus from Egypt. Moses, with his brother Aaron, bring God's word to the Pharaoh in the form of plagues to get Israel freed. Mir- Ma- Miriam, now she says it right, is a prophetess in her own right and provides support to Moses whenever she can. I feel like she, that was just like a Sunday school version of, like, that sure. wasn't... Yeah. Well... Like, I mean, okay, five stars from Teresa. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> five stars. Okay, um, then I have a two-star review from Jenny. Okay. She said, stars for this author obviously did a lot of research into this biblical story of Miriam. Um, she said, wishes. I wish this book didn't read like a YA novel. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, there were too many points of view. The characters were not developed enough, in my opinion, and I believe much of the content could have been edited down. I didn't love this one. Huh. I don't understand the YA part, but I do understand the other parts of her review. Mm, I don't understand the YA part either. Uh, I mean, I think there were parts of it that felt a little juvenile, maybe, like the character, but some of them were the characters were younger. Yeah, yeah so. But I didn't like think in it the beginning. Like, YA novels, I've read a lot of YA novels. I actually do read a lot of YA. They're pretty angsty. Because they're from the point of view of teenagers. Sure. So As I don't. We all remember as angsty teenagers. Sure. Exactly. Um, but this to me did not read angsty at all. So I don't really understand what they were saying. But that's um, okay. That's all I've got because Good everything one. else was um, a book itself. Yeah. So. Good one. Yeah. I mean, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Very opinions. <laughs> All right, ladies, this should be interesting. Let's dive in. (laughs) All right. So we could literally just say it covers the book of Exodus. I'm not going to lie. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Genuinely, genuinely. Uh The part about this that was so difficult for me to read is it was literally the book of Exodus. Mm -hmm. So I knew every chapter, I knew exactly what was going to happen. Yeah. I know exactly how it was going to end. And no, no, some of that is like, okay, obviously, if you're reading a story about the Exodus and you know that story, like, yeah. okay, you're going to yeah. know parts of it. Right. But there was just, <laughs> there was not a lot of um, it didn't fresh no. perspectives. It, and she's, or, right. She stuck pretty much directly to the retelling of Exodus. There was very little zhuzh yes. put there in was, um, And I was very hopeful in the very beginning. Yeah. When there seemed to be a sweet little romance between Miriam and Japadav. Japana. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Japadav. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you all know this new talking about prestige. Morgan just gave me a look like, do not correct her. Let's say this. So let's say it like this the whole time. <laughs> Japata, Japata, Miriam and Japata. Yep, there's the old romance. Here's the thing: is the Japata. book the Japata. book opens, and I actually really liked um, this this the very beginning of the yes. book with oh, Jacobin. Yes. yes, and her perspective. And Miriam's like very young perspective, like five year old perspective. Who is Jacobed? Jacobed is the mother of Moses, Miriam, Miriam and Aaron. Aaron. Yes. Um, so it it kind of goes through Jacobed's um, internal struggle, and then idea that like mm-hmm. forms in her head of 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 trying to save Moses. Yeah. Um, and I really liked that. Uh, and also I liked the character that they. I mean, she made a lot of assumptions, Jill Eileen Smith, about the time period because there's actually not, I don't know if this is anyone's research, I don't want to steal, there's, there's, there's not agreed upon um, by historians who was reigning in Egypt 
as wow. Pharaoh. She talks about that in the author's note, though. Oh, does she? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, I was wondering differences because, of opinion. Because it's like, as far it as was multiple pharaohs throughout the book. Because it was at one point, it was like the woman who saved Moses was ruling. Yeah. Um, so it opens with, like, she, so Jill Eileen Smith chose to have Hatshepsut be uh, the the individual who finds Moses as a baby in the reed basket. She like, was very she was a young girl. Young herself, yeah. Um, yeah, when she was, like, probably, like, 11 and She or was 12. like, people think it's my baby. How? <sighs> right, you're 12. Also, like, when, when, do, when were you pregnant? <laughs> like, did you just show up with a baby one day? And why does he look like a Hebrew? That's, like, I know. That's, um, like... There was times when my sister had her baby at church. We'd be like, oh, my God, is that your baby? I come here every week. When would I have been pregnant? Like, you <laughs> don't just show me the this baby. whole time. Like, my stomach did not grow in size. <laughs> no, I was not, it's not my baby. It's not my baby. <laughs> I, do you guys want me to read the yeah, little bit that she do. wrote there? I did not okay. read the author's note. Yeah, so she says, the setting for the Exodus is still debated today, and I nearly drove myself crazy in trying to figure out which pharaoh best fit the one of Moses' childhood. Hetshepsut? Proved to be the best fit for his Egyptian mother. Though she was only seven when she found him, her historical record seems to bear this out, at least as best as I could find. There you go. So, so if she goes with Hatshepsut, then it's, then she's, then obviously it has to be Thutmose the third, who is right, which is what during the exodus. That's and that was said, her right? cousin or her cousin that she married. Mm. That was a son. Thutmose the second yes. was her cousin. Yeah, that, that she was married. The next that she married. The next. Yes. and then their their son Thutmose the third is mm. was who was yes. In, was raining, so um, we're we're all over the place right now with this. Okay, well that's the beginning. That's so we beginning. okay. <laughs> so Jacobin has to has to. We yes. all know the story. You're I well, know, not but not everybody. In Morgan's notes, it goes summary story of Exodus. That's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, if you don't know the story, okay. How about we just tell them the story of Exodus? <laughs> that would be easier. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so what happens is there's a decree in Egypt. Where the Hebrew people, so the Hebrew I'm people are, are enslaved by enslaved um, by the Egyptians. They're the ones building been. their cities, doing mm-hmm. all these things. They're like have been for 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 centuries. And the point. Egyptians like, are afraid of yeah, a long time. Are afraid of an uprising because they're getting too numerous. So they, they just keep having these dang kids pumping out those babies. So they decide, you know what? Do you know how you squash a, squash a rebellion? Kill all the boy, the baby boys. And that's what they do. So they they get some the Hebrew midwives and they instruct them originally mm-hmm. um, when you are giving when as you are helping deliver these babies if it's a boy kill it immediately. The Hebrew women the Hebrew midwives do not do that. They do not. Of course not. And so what's shocking to me is they're not put to death immediately. The midwives. Well, in scripture, it it doesn't say that the Pharaoh puts them to death. I know. He that's, just says stern words. That's amazing. I know it is amazing. Um, for direct well, they disobedience, come back because the Pharaoh call, in Scripture, when the boys, when the population is still growing, Pharaoh mm-hmm. calls the midwives back and saying, "Why aren't you killing the baby boys?" She's and the like, midwives tell this this BS story, this lame story about yeah. they're like, "Oh, oh Hebrew women are so they're strong, so vigorous. They're so vigorous. They, that's the word. D- they deliver the baby before, before we, we even, even arrive. Can even oh, get yes, there. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then that's all you um, hear of it in Scripture. But anyway, so once that has kind of happened and they realize that that's not going on then the Egyptian soldiers and yes. overseers start, and stuff start to homes. raid in people's home and take the babies and kill them and are starting to like watch for like okay if a woman's pregnant in the field and then she's uh-huh. gone one day she's probably having the baby having the baby we're gonna sack the house yes um, so anyways this is, so in the book. this is in the book not mm-hmm. in the Bible so they're trying to in um, they talk about how because her mother is Miriam's mother is pregnant mm-hmm. 
Jacobin. Jacobin. It's Jacobin. Yeah. The mother. Jacobin. Mm-hmm. Jacobin. Um, she is even near in, in kind of Miriam. She she's trying to labor in in silence, uh-huh. mm-hmm. so as to not yep. uh, alert the guards that yeah she's having a baby. Yeah, yeah. And they do keep uh, Moses uh, a, secret a secret for a little while. But she like don't. straps him to her, and she basically she's like gone for like a day, maybe two days. Like she rests. Yeah, and then it. she immediately goes back to the field and she straps him under her cloak and like nurses him while she's working in the field. Yes, which I've had two babies at this point. That's crazy. That's insanity. That's crazy. This this woman is powerful and she is amazing. And apologies for the swearing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we'll excuse Odette. Um, <laughs> but she's. But here's the thing: is you're not toxic. That is no, amazing. It's true. Uh, but also, it's like like it wasn't in sustainable. the. Well, right, but in the novel, yeah, it's like she doesn't, she doesn't have a choice. Like, she doesn't right. have a choice. Yeah. They're, they're enslaved, and this is the kind of conditions yeah. that they're living in. Yeah. Um, so then, mm-hmm. it like it says in scripture, Amram and Jacobed uh-huh. both have this feeling about Moses, mm-hmm. that he's destined, um, that there's like a destiny on his mm-hmm. life. And mm-hmm. so, Jacobed comes up with this plan. Mm-hmm. She makes, she weaves a basket. She pitches it with tar. Mm-hmm. And then she sends Miriam to a spot in the Nile where, where she no knows where there's no crocodiles and where Fair. she knows Pharaoh's daughter comes to bathe and she kind of put they put the basket out there and she has right. Miriam <laughs> watch for Pharaoh's daughter to see if Pharaoh's daughter will take the basket and find favor with the baby which is what happens mm-hmm. um, one, one thing we didn't say is in the book it talks about whenever the decree whenever Pharaoh gives the decree his daughter knows about it mm-hmm. and she's like is, hiding in the courtyard yeah because she like listens and she's very like Distraught upset she yes. thinks it's wrong she says if i'm ever pharaoh i won't treat people this way yes mm-hmm. um, and, when and i'm pharaoh they, mm-hmm. and jill eileen smith has made this character the the historical figure of hatshepsut mm-hmm. yes that. just clarify Mm-hmm. Um, um, so, anyway, so then, so so then you already know that she's kind of sympathetic, sympathetic to these babies. So she knows said, it's a Hebrew baby. Finds the baby. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this was one of the babies that was supposed to die in the Nile. She's, Miriam kind of emerges from the reeds. It's like, oh, I can go find a Hebrew woman to nurse the Y'all baby for you. Nurse that baby. And Hatshepsut is like, go and retrieve her. Miriam goes, gets her mom. Jacobed comes back. Hatshepsut in this novel leaves, lets Jacobed and Amram raise Moses for five years. Until he's weaned. I want, yes, I want, this is something I want to talk about. Real quick. Let's talk about it, please, because, dear Lord. Because. (laughs) Five years old. That means Mm -hmm. that she nursed that baby with the milk of her bosom until he was five Five years years old. old. Maybe that's normal. I just Wait, I'm, I'm gonna go. Maybe that, that that's normal. In, in what? <laughs> I don't know. Some in, people may in, do that. I, maybe it's normal for that time. Maybe it's normal for somebody listening. In I 1500 don't know. BC, maybe it was normal. I just want to personally say that one of my children was weaned at six months, and that just kind of happened. And the other of my child, I very intentionally weaned at nine months because I was like, I love you, but no more of this. So the idea of nursing either, neither of my children are five years old yet. Yeah. Still <laughs> that, nursing. Uh, like that makes my eye twitch to think about that just because. Actually in the book, how, I, I how wonder rigorous if that was. The process I is. wonder if that was 
their way of keeping Moses longer. Oh, I'm, I'm sh- sure I, that I, was part I, of it. I feel it. like that's probably part of it. I'm sure. But also, like, thinking about biologically, like, that's crazy. Like, first of all, they're slaves. Like, God sustained Jacobed to mm-hmm. be able to do that. Like, you need to consume... Mm-hmm. Lots of water and lots of calories to be able to like I mean, stay of course, healthy. You're probably only if they're five. How much? How how often every day? You're like, your mama Master. needs some milk. If they can say that, warm snackies. I had a friend who said that. Oh my god! That, warm snackies. I had a friend who told me that she had a friend who nursed their children until they were about five or six, and that's how they referred to it. They would come up and say, "Mama, I need a warm. I need some warm snackies." So that's, again, we don't know what everybody's life is. For me personally, that sounds terrible. But but here's the thing. But if there's there was a, a decree lot, in the land. There's a that, lot of good nutrients. Listen. It's true. But maybe true. that's But let's put ourselves succeeded. in this situation. If maybe there was he a succeeded in the land, so well. God's favor and breastfed until he was five. Who knows? Who knows? Also, we don't know how long he was breastfed. This was Jill Eileen Smith's interpretation. (laughs) That's That's not in scripture. I I also (laughs) want to say one thing, that maybe it's possible that um, it was more of an idea of like, well, why not stretch out the weaning till it becomes something where now they're going to wonder, like, hey, what, you know, why why isn't this kid living in the palace yet? You know what I mean? It's true. She was also 12 or something, right? So it was like... She probably wasn't quite seven. ready to be a mother. Hatshepsut was seven. In, yes. the, in the book? In the no, book. Well, she said historically she would have been seven. But no. in the book, she's like 12. Isn't she? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. I don't Because I feel like she was... Because remember, she said she was almost says. 13 or oh, something. Remember? Because okay. she was going to marry her cousin. So that that was oh, just maybe. a creative okay. liberty okay. that the author took. So at five, though... Um, <laughs> or seven, you're not ready to be a parent. It's, well, yeah, you're definitely not definitely ready to be a parent at seven. You're not seven years old. Uh, so either way, like five at, years helped her. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. It's true. Uh, so at five, you know, they brought Moses back to Hatshepsut, and he began mm-hmm. living in the ca- in the pa- palace. Um, they talked about like, you know, in those first years, once he could start, once Moses could start learning, like they made sure to teach him as much as possible about their God, God Adonai, yeah. the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and uh, the the. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers, mm-hmm. and the tribes of Israel, um, Joseph, and what had happened to them in Egypt, and to so that he would know, and you know, encouraging him like you're going to grow up and you're going to have a new mother, and um, you're going to grow up around something that's in an environment that's completely different, but mm-hmm. do not forget God because mm-hmm. He's not going to forget you, and like mm-hmm. you're destined for something, whatever is what kind of. Um, this kind of yeah. before they sent him off, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't. And in, in this That's story, true. Right. Um, and I, yeah. I also thought it was interesting how they uh, like the time. It, the time jumps a lot, which oh, is yes, because yeah. the story of Exodus takes eighty yeah. years. I mean, sure. eight, Moses doesn't lead the people of Egypt, the people out of Egypt, until he's eighty years old. We right. know that from scripture. Yeah. <laughs> okay, he was forty when he left. Egypt after killing the guy. When yeah, he, was, when he fled from Egypt, later. he was 40. Yeah. And he didn't come back till he was 80. I feel like I'm going to say this, and this is just kind of, they don't make them like that anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, no. Like, in modern culture, like, there's no way that, I almost said some, I almost said, uh, swore again, but. <laughs> Man, I You're raring to go today. <laughs> I'm struggling with this. What was I was going to say, there's no way in 
any situation in this culture that like an 80 year old man would have the strength that that Moses does oh, yeah. to lead 600,000 people. It was a whole different time, people. Yeah, that's true. Well, it was also different like diet. a lot yeah, of times it was like dates, he was, yeah. lots of dates, lots of figs, and lentils, 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 and barley, probably fresh fish, no mercury, maybe. We don't know. A lot of lentils, though. A lot of lentils. No, that's brain food. Yeah. A lot, a lot of, of um, paleo, foods. right? Is it going to be pretty much paleo or Mediterranean? It'd be Mediterranean. Olives. Yep. Tapenade. I don't know if they made tapenade. <laughs> I'm sure they made tapenade. Come on. Come on. This is Pharaoh's palace we're talking about. Oh, okay. Okay. Not, not the slave. I thought it was I would say probably not in the, in the Hebrew village. So before, but. in this Maybe. first, in this first, there's like, I think the novel is broken up into five different parts. Like the main mm-hmm. five sections yes. of um, Moses' story. Mm-hmm. Um, or of the, the parts of Moses' story that Miriam is involved in. Um, so in this first section, we see like Moses coming, like leaving the palace and coming to visit yeah, pretty Miriam, yeah. which I was like, oh, that's interesting. Cause yeah. you don't, you don't think about that. Like, did he remember his family? Like, did yeah. he come and visit them? That yeah. was very interesting. Um, Miriam marries Jephunneh. Yes. Because his, in this first part, because her yeah. parents both die. Right. Her parents, yes. both, Jacobed and Amram, both pass away. Yes. Jacobed dies first. And, and basically and on Amram, their father's... Amram? Amram? Amram. He, before he passes, basically... Gives the blessing. Gives yes. the blessing to... And it's pretty much like on his deathbed. They run and get Jephunneh from the field. Yeah. And then hey, out, Aaron's oh, like, wait, hey, Esau. are you interested in marrying my sister? Jephunneh's like, yes. Sure. And then come back to our house immediately. Our father's dying. He needs to give his blessing. Yes. I mean, basically, yeah, that's, that's exactly yeah. what happened. And then apparently he's he's older than her, which is very normal in this culture. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think like 12 years or something, right? Was it 12, like 12 years old? Yeah, I think older? she was like 15 and he was like 20-something. Yeah. I thought he was in his maybe like late 20s, early 30s. But yeah. It's like 15 years, maybe. Okay. I, Regardless. But I, think, I feel like that's in this culture. Yeah, oh, yeah, that feels pretty normal. That's how Joseph and Mary were, like in this, yeah. in this yeah. ancient biblical yes. times. So, and mm-hmm. then we see uh, Aaron gets married to Elisheba. Uh-huh. Elisheba. Elisheba. Um, and then... Yeah, so then, I mean, basically, I mean, there's just kind of, you get a little bit of slice yes, of life, just, just kind of daily um, stuff. Miriam and Jephunneh have two girls. Yes. Um, Aaron and Elsheba have, like, three boys, mm-hmm. I think. And one girl, I think. Do they have one girl also? I don't but know. then it's like, it's like many years later, when Miriam is like 45. Yeah. yeah. And she, and she gets pregnant, pregnant with, with, Caleb, Caleb, with Caleb. Because Caleb is the son of Shephunneh. We uh-huh. know that from scripture. Yes. Um, so that was definitely a liberty that mm-hmm. she took to marry yeah. Miriam. And, and she says that in the author's note. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, was That's Miriam why married in the Bible to... Oh, she wasn't married to Shephunneh in the Bible. We, it doesn't yeah, say who know. she got married to. Um... But that's what Jill Eileen Smith yeah. said, and the author noted that she wanted to include both um, Caleb, Caleb and, and Joshua. Joshua. Thank you. I almost said Joseph, and I was like, that's wrong. That's wrong. Joshua and Caleb, and but she wanted to see so how she younger. could incorporate yeah. in the story, yeah. so she decided to have I thought, that, I thought that was an interesting choice. Yes. Yeah. Um, I thought that To that make them so closely well, and then, then connected Joshua to comes into play. Moses and Miriam. And yeah. yeah. Yes. So then the Joshua, Joshua comes into play because Miriam is helping birth her friend, her Hava. friend, yes, mm-hmm. baby, and she ends up dying in childbirth. So then, basically, yes. they, they they kind of raise Joshua with Caleb, yes, yeah. as like brothers, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I don't think they, they fully take him on. I think it's just like he's around a lot. So yes, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Well, she's she was nursing Caleb, so she nursed. Yeah, she nursed yeah. both. 
Um, and then it's like uh, in the later part of the book, mm-hmm. Moses, when Joshua is, is, when God chooses Joshua to be Moses' assistant, like he's calling him Uncle Moses. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I thought that yeah. was kind it of was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a fun I liked that um, element way to think about it um, um so then we get to uh moses. kind of a, a pivotal point in the exodus story where moses comes out and well first there's some like changing of hands with the egyptian pharaohs yes, yes. his mother his egyptian mother is comes co-regent to with uh-huh. thutmose the third because yes. thutmose the third is like an infant when thutmose the second dies uh-huh. so then she's like co-regent yes um um, but then once Thutmose is like 18, like at, yeah. like 18 years goes by and, um, he, he, I can't remember if he is she, like over trying to overthrow her or if she just dies. She, she dies. dies. Oh, okay. Yeah. She just dies. Okay. Um, and then basically they had the, Moses's family had this kind of, um, the way Jill Eileen Smith wrote this is they kind of had this like freedom that the rest of the Hebrew slaves weren't necessarily experiencing. They were like well compensated, they like made materials. Basically like, they didn't have to work in the fields, yeah. like, moving, like Marian, making like, bricks made or pulling stuff rocks and, and like they bought it at the yeah. palace. They could do more like uh, not as manual, hard yes. manual mm-hmm. labor. Yes. Um, they were like weaving and mm-hmm. selling it and making fabrics and linens and stuff and selling it to giving because it to the Because of the relationship yes. that they had developed with Hetchipset. But as soon as Hetchipset dies, all that That ended. ended. At this point, at this point, Miriam is like fifty. They're in their they're old now. They're well. If Moses is forty, when because this is right around the time she's like she would be forty five. She's forty five. Forty five. So she just had Caleb. She had just had Caleb. She had just had Caleb. And remember, because she was worried about having to work back in the field so soon after having Caleb. So uh, then you see Moses coming to meet with Aaron and Miriam, and he's like, listen, I got to go. I got to go see how things things are going Mm -hmm. on, because Thutmose III is a whole different ball game. Mm -hmm. I really don't like this guy. And he doesn't like Moses. He doesn't like me. Um, But then you get to the part in Scripture where Moses sees... The Egyptian beating the Hebrew, mm-hmm. and Moses kills the Egyptian, and then mm-hmm. flees for his life to Midian because yep. Thutmose is gonna kill him. Yes, and Thutmose knows about it. Yep, it gets back. To um, so then, literally forty years goes by, and uh-huh. we we get like Miriam is like, okay, well, I guess I guess Moses isn't gonna save us after all. Like, so she's eighty five. Meanwhile, right. so she's eighty five. Eighty five, and she's like given up on ever seeing Moses again. Throughout this, though, so basically the book jumps a lot, like yeah. extreme yeah. jumps in ages. So basically, it's like Moses leaves for for Midian. Then the next thing is like, oh, uh, Miriam's kids are having kids. They're getting married and having yeah. kids. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, now years later. yeah. So, so it's like this this constant turning. It's, it's all it's all in a in a timeline yes. moving in the same direction. Yes. It's not like yes. it jumps back and forth in no, time. It's just but jumping just a lot big, of years. Big, big years. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. So. 40 years um, goes by. Miriam's mm-hmm. 85. Aaron is yes. 82. Um, Moses has been married for Yes, yeah, we years. find out he's been married. Yes. But um, and had two children. The other interesting thing to note is uh, this author gives Miriam these dreams in the night, yes. which yes. I thought was very, very, uh, a very uh, interesting way to like in- involve Miriam mm-hmm. in this leader in leadership role mm-hmm. because clearly Moses and Aaron had leadership roles and yes. clearly God was communicating with them very distinctly oh, yeah. <laughs> um and if you're moses face to face or back to face um <laughs> if, you, if you know you know
But anyways, he's hearing God's audible voice. Um, but I thought it was an interesting way to incorporate Miriam into this like leadership position alongside Mary, uh, Moses and Aaron as oh, like yeah. she's getting these dreams from God. Because mm-hmm. she has them throughout the book even as a child. Book. Yeah, even yeah. as a child. So then 40 years, quite to 40 years later, she's 85, she has this dream about um, Moses coming back to them. And Aaron shows up at her house that morning, and he's like, I had a dream. God told me to go find Moses. And she's like, I had a dream, too, that Moses was coming back to us. What musical is that in I Had a Dream? I dreamed a dream of time gone by. No, no, no. Oh, no. I had a dream. dream. That's Rapunzel. Oh, yes, yes. I had a dream. Different vibes. Oh. Very different vibes. But like um, both about dreams, so to be fair. That's true. So uh, yeah, so Aaron is venturing into the wilderness to find Moses, and then Moses is venturing s- venturing into the wilderness with his sheep, but mm-hmm. he is going oh, to yeah. hear from God in the burning Encounter bush. Encounter the, bur- the burning bush. Encounter Encounter the the living God in a burning bush, which is amazing. You know, we must have yeah. been thinking, what's an old dude like me gonna tell him when I go down? What? Go down Moses. And the Lord said, Hey Mo, don't you be worried about going down south. I'll be saying every word that comes out of your mouth. Just keep doing your best. Pray that it's blessed. He'll take care of the rest. Name that song. Is that from um Prince of Egypt? No. No. It's it's Keith it's, Green. Oh. That's all I was gonna say. I haven't thought about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Curtis Chapman sung it in that version that we know. Okay, but it's that's it's Keith Green. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, uh, Carmen got Carmen. Yes, but vibes. I also similar, love Carmen. Similar vibes, but yeah, different. Um, but different. Uh, anyways, Carmen San Diego too. Also, yes. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is all over the place. <laughs> we're gonna. Here's what we're gonna do in the stories. We're gonna include pictures of Keith Green, <laughs> Carmen, and then Carmen San Diego. Oh, and Stephen. Chris and Stephen Chris Chapman, <laughs> of course. Always, always you, Stephen. Always. And you. also, if there's a, a link to this video, maybe this song. Oh, video. That you just oh, the song. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. We could absolutely link it. the video. Link it. It's a great song. Um, so, so Moses takes his. We meet Sephora, and mm-hmm. actually, she's one of my favorite characters. Same, because um, mm-hmm. I think she has the most kind of levels to her. <clears throat> um, and I would have. I was like, oh, I wish you would have written the book about Zipporah. Oh, Zipporah, right? <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. I was like, I would love another book. Yeah, about, about Zipporah. Uh, and what were their sons' names? Eleazar and uh, Gershom. That's right. Do you guys remember all these names? <laughs> I, don't know, the I usually remember I don't names, know. but something about the, the biblical fiction genre, it just like. I think with names. this one especially, it's the story's so familiar that yeah. the names just like come well, to you. The big names, you've read it some of them. So much. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So they uh, originally. Oh man, I thought that scene, um, which is, is one of the most debated passages in scripture I was really interested to see how she would write it so Moses and Zipporah and their two sons are going to go back to Egypt um, but their younger of the two sons is not circumcised and God shows up and is going to kill Moses is what scripture says Uh and then Zipporah circumcises out his their son and says throws it at Moses' feet and says you are bridegroom of blood to me 
And then God doesn't kill Moses. And it's like this very debated piece of passage of scripture. So I was like very interested to see how she would write it. And it was interesting. I was about to I thought that that was interesting. No, it was. was She literally had a dream, right? Where God, like she woke up and she saw like Moses being killed and Uh then like realized it was a vision from the Lord. And there was an angel. Because she, because it goes to explain how Moses was very insistent about Eleazar being circumcised pretty like right or eight days after he was born. Blah, 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 blah. Gershon. Ele- that Eleazar was Gershom's the oldest. Gershom, okay. And so then when Eleazar, I thought it was the other way around. You know what? One of them was older. The older and one. And one of them was younger. Yes. <laughs> and the older one got circumcised eight days, according to Jewish law, eight days after. Right. He was but born. But then Zipporah But Zipporah like, had such a hard time with that because that wasn't part of her custom. And she's like, this is her. Because she wasn't hurt, Jewish. This hurt my baby. Which, Fair right. Enough. We We get that. Um, so she, with the second born child, she was like, absolutely not. I'm putting my foot down. You're not circumcising this baby. I don't want, that was awful to watch with the first one. So they didn't. So that's why he wasn't. Right. Yeah. Well, and then when she tells Moses that was so painful, he's like, well, that's why we do it when they're little. Cause then the memories aren't there. Well, she says it. that as he's, as he's literally like, it talks about him like hobbling walking through the desert and you're thinking about this poor eight-year-old boy like that's well, also not woken up by his mother taking a knife to but yeah. i think right exactly exactly but i also think that's why it was symbolic for zipporah to do it too because she'd been the one who'd been like no don't do it right and then yeah, yeah, yeah. she was like okay no well okay also like Boom. can we talk for a second about the fact that he had like young children like because he was what eight or something here and he's in his 80s yes mm-hmm Absolutely, yes. She was younger than him, but by how much? By like 40 years, but still. She wasn't 40 years? No, because he met her and married her when he was 40. Okay. So she's not 40 years younger than she's him. Probably, she might, could be 20 years She could younger. be 20 years younger than him, even 25. 25, yeah. Which would still make her... In her 50s? 55, 60. Yep. Come on now. That's impressive. That's... Considering our windows of fertility now are like mid-40s at most. That's the way... Yeah, I mean, I think for I think it was the same way though. Is well, because Miriam it talks about how she was towards the end of her childbearing years. It said, and she was forty five. Yeah, so she was surprised when she got towards the end. (laughs) Right. Well, yeah, and and I I mean, I had an aunt who had children at fifty. She had twin boys. Twin boys at fifty. She was fifty years old. So it's. I mean, right, because technically it is possible. It's harder the older that you get because yeah. you are technically fertile until you go through menopause. Right. Yes. Correct? Also, they consider geriatric pregnancies mm-hmm. if you're 34. Uh-huh. Correct. Yes, they do, which I hate that term. Correct. Which, honestly, I hate Let's, that because that's for sure so going to be me. <laughs> there's no way I'm young enough now Don't. to have Yeah, <laughs> we're fine. not even going to speak that Anyways. Out. If someone tries Anyways. to use that term with you, just kick I'll them slap them in the face. I'll be like, listen here. How dare you, OBGYN? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll bring Morgan for face slapping along with my I got you. I am a tight 38. Thanks very much. I'm tired of the most 18 year olds. <laughs> oh my God. This is derailing fast. Very you quickly. too. Oh my God. Sorry about that. Okay, sorry about that. <laughs> okay, rain it in. This It's getting away from us. It's getting away. <gasps> okay. Anyways. So, anyways, they so they he they, sends like them halfway. back to me. He ends up sending them back to me. Well, because she she, she doesn't yeah, want to go to Egypt. Yeah. She's also like, you don't know what stands in front of you. Like, Which what's is true. Happen. Well, because he's told her like, this is I'm gonna confront, and he's told her the last. He's even told her the last before Pharaoh lets them go. It's gonna be the death of his firstborn. Blah blah blah. Like he told her all of this, and, and she's, she's like, like, "We have no idea. Are we gonna become slaves? Can you protect How long us? is this gonna yeah. take? Can you protect us?" And he's yeah. like, I don't, "I don't know. 
okay. She's like, then oh, we're going back okay. to my dad. But she like stands up because and she's yeah. like, I don't trust you to protect us. Basically, she's yeah. like, you gotta do what you gotta do, but I'm not going with you. Yeah, her Zipporah is very interesting. I like Zipporah yes. a lot. She's mm-hmm. very, very fiery, and I think you would have to be uh, to be married to Moses. Yeah, uh, for sure. For sure. You have to be real fiery. Yeah. <laughs> so they get see, Moses gets to Egypt. Him and Aaron, um, they do uh, the plagues. They start going through the plagues. I there's something very interesting that I had never ever heard before. Mm-hmm. Is okay. that each of these plagues? Oh yeah. Was targeting a specific Egyptian god. Yes. And I had I I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. Um. And that was fascinating to me. Yes, but each plague mm-hmm. was like uh, was showing God's power over that over God's that specific, dominance mm-hmm. over that specific, specific God. Egyptian God, yeah. yes. which was fascinating. Well, I, I also thought what was interesting about that section was how like in multiple plagues they were coming against the people, and it wasn't until like they repented and got rid of because they yeah. had these like birthstones or something that were like some Egyptian god and like oh, yeah. idols. So, yeah, yeah. So there, so there was uh-huh. idols and stuff, and it was like multiple times where it was like like the flies plague. They were so bad, the, and then literally the Miriam and the there was another one too. frogs frogs yeah. yeah and so they but miriam helped the people like actually repent and then it in the plague instantly stopped where mm-hmm. they were yeah that yeah. was that was a really cool that scene of like miriam yes. leading the women to like encouraging the women to like if they had kept yeah. any of these it was like fertility idols or yes yes or burnt like mm-hmm. help them during they were labor. called birth stones birth stones to help them do- giving birth or something yes do you think it was just like a um was, it was like a stone tail or was it like, yeah, a, it was like a like oh. it wasn't something you used for birth it was more like it was present to help oh. like a trinket to help a oh, trinket like sure. idolatrous kind of thing. So I was going to google birthstone just cuz I was curious like if it was an idol type thing or if it was something like used in ancient times but I was like yeah. I don't want to go down that path. I think I think oh, it Oh yeah. No. I think I it was think just like a little like trinket an idol, idol or something of oh, okay. some yes. kind. But she was like encouraging the women to throw them out and mm-hmm. then when the gnats were still affecting them, mm-hmm. Miriam was like, Get down on your hands and knees and Did you get rid of your birth the Lord. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, like did you get rid right. of them? Get down on your hands and knees and repent to God. Yeah. And then literally, like instantaneously it, imme- yeah. it immediately like, helped. The, gnats, um, the way the frogs moved were described was pretty gnarly. Oh yeah, yeah that was crazy. And how like they would jump into their robes and they had to like throw them because I th- I, th- I think awful. I always assumed that like in the but, the plagues that like it wasn't anywhere close to them so it was interesting oh, that cool. her interpretation was like that their actual homes right yeah but, but like, I yeah, do yeah, things to horrifying. prevent them from coming like but she's right because we don't see that disclaimer right that God says to Moses until we get to the flies like mm-hmm. in those first two plagues. God doesn't say, but I will cause, I will create yeah, yeah, yeah. a separation between you and the people living in Goshen, and the plagues will not touch the people living in Goshen. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't say that in Tahiti with the no. frogs or the yeah. cats. He only says that with the flies. So, so that, that's true. I that's never thought point. of that either. Lord of the flies. Lord of the flies. Lord of the and dance. of the dance, you are the dancing lord. <laughs> that's the throwback, too. That's the throwback. Um, okay. <laughs> Anyways, guys. Okay. Pharaoh. So, plagues. Plagues. We all Let's, know about them. Let's God's people go. God's people. After the final plague. Hey, Pharaoh. Oh, hello. Let my, my people, people go. go. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh. You can tell we all grew up in church in the 90s, people. It is blaringly <laughs> obvious with all the references we've given in this episode so far. Okay. So then they are, they cross God, uh, miraculously parts the Red Sea. Blue with his mouth. Puff, 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 puff. <laughs> They cross the Red Sea. God miraculously <laughs> parts the Red Sea. They cross over. Um, crashes on the Egyptian army and the chariots. Uh, I will sing. 
to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. He has thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. Yes. Um, is what they sing after they cross. Mm-hmm. I'm, Miriam's song. Miriam's song. Miriam's song. Um, after they no cross the Red Sea. melody. <laughs> <laughs> after they cross the Red Sea. And then basically the second half of the novel is mm-hmm. their experiences in the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, with manna. With the manna, which is interesting. And they talk about like the different, they came up with different, different ways, ways to, to prepare, prepare it. it and to cook it, which was interesting. They're like set up camp, like they're talking about like setting up like certain leaders and things like that and like structure and like because at one point everyone's coming to Moses to Moses with all these problems and they're like, wait, you can't Mm -hmm. that's not sustainable. And Jethro's like, you should do this way. Oh right, because eventually his family comes. Jethro, Zipporah, Eleazar, and Gershom come back to join Moses. Mm Um, and the relationship between Zipporah, she depicts this relationship between Zipporah and Moses as like being very strained, yeah, um, yes. which I thought was interesting and mm-hmm. could have been extremely accurate, yeah. um, because Moses was spending basically chunks of time the on the mountain of his God. Right. Um, sometimes he would be gone for forty days <laughs> receiving right. instructions from the Lord, and, and they would have no like idea how long. Scratching her head, wonder well, when Moses. And is then sometimes be home. he'd be like, "Well, gotta tell her that I'm not gonna be home tonight," and then not come home for forty days. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, I thought, like, the last little piece is um, she dies. The poor passes away, uh-huh. and then Scripture talks about oh, yeah. uh, Moses uh, remarrying a Cushite woman. Yes, um, and it's very, very brief, quickly, very brief in scripture, uh-huh. um, and and it talks in scripture talks about Miriam being like Miriam's commenting about how she wasn't a Hebrew, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and then scripture says God gave Miriam leprosy, mm-hmm. and then after seven days she came back to Aaron the high priest and she was cleansed, and that's mm-hmm. basically all we yeah. know of the story. And I was like, oh, this could be interesting. <laughs> so it's basically like she was mad at Moses and like judged him yes. because he got married to this woman. And also she like saw him go in in, in the book. Miriam saw what's the new wife's name? Oh, oh question. They, uh, um Leah? Lia? Yes. Lydia? Leah. Yeah. L I Y A. Yeah. Um and so Miriam Lia. sees her going into Moses' tent and she's like, Oh, oh I must have gotten married. Yeah. Like, Nobody told me. Yeah. And she's Could like, asked your sister for and advice. And she's like, well, I would have told you at this point. Is she? <laughs> They're like, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, be no. Close. No. How long have they been there? Because they, they, this is before the 40 years. This well, yeah. This is before the. But she was 85 when they went into the Okay, so she's probably like 90 at least. At least 90. If not 95. Right. And Moses is 85. Yeah. Or 90. Or 95. Okay. She could be 100. Anyways, I was a little disappointed with this section because I was very excited to read about it. Because when I when I saw yeah. that she was including it, I was like, "Oh man, this, this could be crazy." Yeah. But then there wasn't a whole yeah. lot about really like Miriam's leprosy for seven days. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was okay. That's fine. Um, and then because they're wrapping up. Because right. then basically what happens after that is is Miriam sees Caleb and Joshua. Right? Well, yeah. she sees... Isn't that what happens? Yeah. Well, basically. she sees Caleb and Joshua. Because remember, she has one final dream about Caleb oh, going yes. into the promise, which Caleb and Joshua coming out of the promise. That's right. Um, so she gets to see them going in and coming mm-hmm. back out. Yeah. But then she shortly passes away because we all know that everybody over the age of 20, minus Joshua and Caleb, mm-hmm. were not able to see the promised land. Well, and, and the book does end by her husband being like, oh, we're very blessed because they have like a sweet, tender moment. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into the epilogue, and then the epilogue is where she passes on. Mm, yeah. Oh, okay. that's right. That's right. So, and yeah. that's the book. 
That's it. I mean, right. So it follows the yeah. story of Exodus. Beat for beat. Yes. Mm-hmm. Moment for moment. And adds, there is some interesting, like, uh, you know, you get some interesting, mm-hmm. um, like, ooh, what's gonna, what, what's she going to say about this portion of scripture that we know nothing about <laughs> other yeah. than what is, you mm-hmm. know, the couple of sentences that we yeah. get. Um, but for the most part, it, it, was, it was pretty predictable. Yeah. I know what was going to happen. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've also read the story of uh, the book of Exodus many times. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you've never read the book of Exodus, you might be shocked. Worthwhile to read. You, I, I, I would, I would say read the book of Exodus before you read Miriam's song. I would say so too, but because just but for honestly, context sake, sure. Unless you want to be totally surprised. But if you read this and then read the book of Exodus, it wouldn't. There's nothing blasphemous in this. Oh, no, not at all. It's not just... No, no, no. It's It's the same story. It's in line with scripture, for sure. I don't think you should read this instead of Exodus. I'm just saying, you could read them in either order, and you'd probably be fine. But if you read, didn't read Exodus, and you knew nothing about the story, Miriam's song would be a page-turner, potentially, more so than than for us, that you know the story so much to the point that you're, like, looking for a little bit more color, I'll say. Right. That's good. And commentary. Um, All right. Okay. That's so, the story. So now well, we it made is, it through. Sorry we about made the hiccups. Through the wilderness. <laughs> made it through the wilderness. Okay. Yeah, so much singing in this episode. <laughs> Should have said that this was well, a Well, Miriam's one. song. Whoa. Well, you, and Moses's melody. I feel like though I will say Stay tuned for the book that apparently Odette is writing called no, Moses. I'm Mal- saying that was what this book was so about. It was way more was. I, I would I say sixty percent about Moses. I agree. And forty percent about Miriam. Dialogue. Well, I would say seventy thirty. Moses' okay. like sub context and sub like his like internal head conversation. Internal headspace. Yes. <laughs> what took inner up dialogue? Inner, inner dialogue. <laughs> wow, thank you so much. Um, that's the term I wanted to use. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a lot more prevalent than Miriam's, I thought. Yes, yes. I agree. Yeah. Alright, Morgan, ready for your random rabbit trails? I am. I'm so sorry, I just yawned. Okay, so um, Morgan's random rabbit trails. Okay. Love it. That was great. Loved it. That was better than the last one I recorded. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So this, I don't think this is sacrilegious. Oh boy. Oh, I know. I'm intrigued. I don't think. Listen, is your heart in the right place? We'll say a quick prayer yes. afterwards and then we'll be Yes, it is. Okay. Well, then just go forward in, in peace. Okay. So here's my rabbit trail. Thank you, sister. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't really think of any. This is what stuck out to me because this is something that I think of every single time that I read Exodus. Okay. Oh. Every single time. Oh. Okay. I'm going to ask everyone here. Yes. What plague, other than death, obviously death of the first one would be the worst plague. Duh. We all know that. What plague, in your personal opinion, would be the absolute worst for you. It's like, would you rather? Exactly. All right, Madeline, go. Would be the absolute worst. Worst. Okay, I need to go over the plagues in Wait, my mind. Wait, I'm pulling them up. Okay, there's, so water turning to blood, mm-hmm. frogs, lice, flies, livestock pestilence, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, and the killing of the firstborn child. Kick that one out. That one doesn't count. I mean, it does count, but not for the sake of this argument. So blood, let's, water, Let's even frogs. do this. Worst and best. Worst, worst and best. Well, worst and least worst. Okay, because okay. they're all bad. I would say hail for me would, would be, be the worst. No, oh, the best. Okay, okay. like least worst, least yes. worst, Le- least okay. worst. Um, because I feel like here's the the thing. Like you could be inside, you might be safer. Like there's not bugs involved because like a cave, find yeah. a cave. Yeah, mm-hmm. even if you're in the desert, like I feel like the chances of the hail also like it could melt and then turn into water. So maybe some positives afterwards. Because it is okay. is it hail just balls of ice? Yes. Yep. 
Um, so I do think, but like, how big are the hail? Like, can it knock someone out? Pretty big. But that's I think why big. Like baseball, like baseball hail. Well, you know what scripture doesn't say. So scripture doesn't say. So if it's mini hail, honestly, as long as it's on the side of a basketball, I feel like the chances of hail being less bad it does, than it, scripture does say it destroys the crops. All yeah. the crops are destroyed. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like though it didn't say that all the people were destroyed, so That's you probably were safe inside. True. Few concussions, probably. Yeah. Um, I would say that the other one, the worst one, the worst, the worst for you. Oh, okay, so. Um, I actually have two. So one is okay. mentally would be darkness. Okay. Because they, they talk about the darkness being like dark in a way that you, you can like, feel, feel it. Like there's yeah. a, pre- it's like oppressive. It's like a presence. Yeah. I've definitely been in places before. Not oh, that we're sure. dark like that, but like I've been places that you literally drive through or you're in and you're like, Oh my God, it feels oppressive. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and so I pictured that, but also like pure darkness that not even Ooh. a lamp can penetrate. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would say that one mentally, but I feel like in my flies the reason why is i have been at the beach before where if the wind shifts in some beach area like some beaches the flies will come like if it's coming from the sea versus the land if it's not coming from the sea the wind and it comes from the land the flies will come and there's been times where it's like they just don't leave you alone it's constantly hit it like it is them and like some of them even kind of bite you so it's like yeah oh yeah so i feel like that would be also like i feel like they'd be harder to close my home off to not having flies in versus like frogs. I feel like a little bit easier, a little bit bigger to like, I mean, the sounds of the frogs would be hellish. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot that of thoughts just on these mortifying to me. <laughs> okay, I think, okay, I think I know what my question okay. would be. Locusts. Oh, locusts are creepy as all get out. Locusts, and like, think about it, like, you, uh, it's a flying insect. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I just, listeners, I just held up my fingers to, to, to denote how big this flying insect is. It, and it's probably like, what, that's an inch and a half, my oh, fingers. Yeah, yeah. But if you think about it, a flying insect, like one, one and a half, two inches in length. Lots of them, that they cover the sky. Millions. I will say yeah. that when I lived in um, D.C. for a little while in, in college for an internship, we had a cockroach that size, and it wasn't oh. flying. And, like, I was so disturbed. No, we can't talk about this anymore. Cockroaches <laughs> in Texas are that big. No, we can't talk about roaches anymore. I'm sorry, you guys. We I'm can't sorry. talk about it anymore. <laughs> we cannot what about talk your best, about What about your best plague? More. Best plague. My best plague, um, my best plague would probably be, um, golly, they're Royals, all. hail, locusts, livestock, pestilence, flies. The livestock flies. pestilence? Yeah. yeah. That's my best plague. <laughs> well, you it doesn't affect me. Well, it does because then I mean, my livestock, how are you livestock has pestilence. Where are you going to go? How are you going to get anywhere? I'm going to say livestock pestilence because I could just become a vegetarian. Lentils. Lentils. Well, also, I don't really know if you're eating your livestock as much as they're helping you with things. Yeah. But, okay, that's, that's <laughs> okay. You know what? It's my best friend. Okay. So, <laughs> I would say my least worst. Uh. I mean, probably also hail. Wait, water turning to blood. How yeah. many days did that happen? Seven. Days. Oh, it was a days. week. And but think about it: the Nile River and all the, the fish die. Oh, that. And there was so smelly. It'd be the stinkiest, rankiest, also, jankiest thing you ever Also, saw. you're not gonna have water. But you you gathered a bunch ahead of time, which they did. So, but the Egyptians this, are we Egyptians water? in this situation? Or are we exactly Hebrews? because it's the oh, Bible specifically true. says that all the water that had been gathered like in the Egyptians like pots also turned mm-hmm. blood. I some people drink blood though, so yikes. 
That's true. Okay, I would say probably I, hail. Be no. Probably hail. Because would be the least worst for I you? think so. Just because, um, like Odette said, if you get inside. Um, find a cave or something. Uh-huh. And well, know, it, could it could destroy your house. So you got to find like, a cave or something. Yeah. Well, how are you going to find a cave in the desert? How long do they have boils? Do you how think long do they have boils? Mm, I think any amount of boils are bad. I don't know how long they had boils. A couple days? Painful days? boils covering their... Okay. Like covering your body. Painful yes. boils. From head to toe. Yes. Could I lay down? No. But they're on your back. Poultice? I mean, it's... Are there any semi-comforting poultices? No. I mean, it's... it's None? Fi- it's 1500 BC, so there's probably an awful lot of... Mustard plasters? For, Come for on. Pain. No, there's nothing. Unless you want to eat some lotus. Of course I do. But maybe that's been pestilent. Wait, but how sturdy do you think their houses were back then? Like, do you think that, like, their Mud thatched roofs. Do you think that much Oh, hail is falling through there. Yeah, absolutely. Hail is falling. I think it's going to destroy your home. What if you went and I think unless you live in, like, a literal palace, it's going to destroy your home. I think I would wait out boils. I think I'd wait out boils. I think you're insane. But okay. I think it would hurt. Boils could also have scarring. Okay, I'm not scared. (laughs) I have pock marks on my face already now. But not because you had boils then. No, I had chicken pox. Basically the same thing. My point is that I think I would wait it out. If it's a week, okay. I'm dealing with the boils. Okay. Because there's less long-term effects. I don't care about scarring. Then what's the worst one for My you? worst one, and I've always thought this, I have a deathly fear of frogs. Mm. I hate frogs. Frogs jumping near me scares the pituitary gland out of me. I hate <laughs> it. I'm The idea of frogs jumping in my clothes makes me want to burn my skin and lie. Like, I cannot handle it. So frogs would be the worst. There you go. Um, Maybe I shouldn't tell you this story, but my nephew has an obsession with frogs, so my mom's found them and she's brought them, and the one day he was just like, here, Auntie O, and like held out the frog, and I was like, there's something about frogs that like... Oh, I can't... Although I did love the books growing up, The Frog and the Toad. They were delightful Yeah, those are great books. But like, they're they're cartoon drawings of frogs. Sure. Cartoon drawings of frogs are fine. I don't want to deal with them. And when we lived in Texas, there was a lot of, like, after it rained, there would be scads and scads of frogs just in our apartment complex hopping around. And I can't tell you the amount of times at night that I was walking to my mailbox and a frog, like, crossed my path. And I almost peed my pants. I was so horrified. And then I basically, like, ran back to my house. I hate frogs. I think part of the reason why frogs are a little is because when you see a frog... It's never expected. And it jumps. That's like true. the jumping. And they're horrifying. as scared of you as you are of them. And plus their their skin's kinda of scaly, you know? All of those things. Ah, uh, amphibians. I will say though that amphibians. Yeah. Amphibians. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought you meant their skin was amphibious and all no, that. I was just saying ew amphibians. Um, but I feel like though I would say that all the plagues are pretty bad. Oh what? Oh yes, they yes. are. I, I would say right. I feel like you're yes, the same. I have also bad. always thought when I read this book, like similar to like the Oregon Trail game when I was a kid. Like, how would I try to survive if, like, I was living in, in this time with all these plagues? Like, what would I do, you know? Um, and I feel like I tried, but Virginia then I feel like... Yeah, I would do. Yeah. There you go. Start repenting. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. I'd be like, tell me about your God, because uh, he seems it. very powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I would also, like to be on his good side. I know, right? Like, and the Pharaoh just not relenting till the firstborn sons, including the livestock, are all dead um, in his exactly. in his whole kingdom. Um, the interesting thing was the way that she described the plagues, it was almost as if they were on the other side of the Nile and they could see them happening oh, in yeah. Egypt. Oh, yeah, that, which, was that was crazy. Which, like, the darkest one is what freaked me out the they most when she did the darkness. darkness. But, like, it wasn't near them. Yeah, it was crazy. crazy. 
Alrighty, that was a lovely that rabbit was trail. That was my rabbit trail. Um, can I get the book um, passed yes, to me girl. so we can make our sound effects for uh, Odette's? Oh! That was not very good. That was pretty good. Yeah. Odette's research. relevant research. So, a couple of things from, from my perspective. Um, one is, I was curious, so Jill Eileen Smith, um, she's actually um, gone to Israel a few times, um, and she's very interested in um, how women lived in the Old Testament times. So I feel like if that's what you're interested in, that's definitely the place to go. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, I was curious about what manna tasted like. Oh, okay. I mean, aren't we all? Listen yeah. to this. In ancient Hebrew, what is it can be rendered man who, a likely debris Derivation? Yes, of what food has come to be called manna. The Bible describes it as being like coriander seed, white, and it tastes like wafers with honey. Okay, there you go. There you go. So, so literally, like so the word, the phrase manna literally translates, what is it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's yeah, funny. isn't that funny? Because they're like, what is what this? Is it? Yeah. <laughs> God's like, food, eat it. Yeah. I feel like that's yes. me with my toddler. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? It's food, eat, eat it. it. <laughs> it's the provision of the Lord. Don't yeah. complain. And my kid will be like, I not eat that. That's yuck. <laughs> like you've never tried it. It's yuck. Okay. I already also, know. Like, it's yuck. in the desert and it's like that's what God the the part that always gets me in this story is like you've literally seen the salvation of God in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And then you're literally in the desert with no way to grow food or do anything. And God literally also like cloud by day, fire by night, the whole the whole thing, and then literally puts food out on the ground for you. Yeah. And water. And so you're not starving, you're not hungry, and you're still complaining. And then when you complain because you just want to have meat, he rains quails down from the I sky. Know. That actually also sounds terrifying. terrifying to so me. Like just a dead movie. I'm dead? I don't know, but he he does, remember? He rains yeah, quails. Yes. I remember. I always assumed that they were like live and as they hit the ground they died. So it was like they were fresh kills. That's that's all that's horrible. That would be best case scenario. Well yeah, because like uh, yeah, I feel. Anyways, I feel like that there's just a lot. Can you imagine exiting your tent in the morning and finding dead birds? Listen, but in this scenario, you're literally a slave who who, who has escaped <laughs> from so Egypt, and you want food. You would be excited. Yes. No, that's true. I yeah. agree. Um, okay, so the other piece of research I did, I have two more little ones. Um, the term biblical fiction refers to a work of fiction which uses characters, settings, and events that take place from the Bible. The degree of fictionalization in these works varies, although they are often written by Jews or Christians. Not always the case. Hmm. Yeah, I think okay. we saw that in our um, in this theme for sure. So, yeah. Yeah, even though this is just the first one, but I feel like in yeah. the other one too. <clears throat> but that one's more like times versus like specifically a bible story correct yes which right. i think like the setting is that our our next book that we read it's just like the setting is a biblical setting in biblical yes. times and there's I characters that that. there are some yes. yeah yeah there sure. are some but it's not like a beat for beat story yeah right, right um so yeah that's pretty much all i had i did some research on wedding and traditions in ancient israel um so wedding traditions that's wedding good. and, and Ooh, marriages and okay. traditions okay um First, although the girls were expected to be virgins when they got married, and according to Deuteronomy 22:21, can be put to death if they are found not to be, men were allowed to marry multiple women. It's hard to know how common polygamy, which entailed a husband being married to more than one woman, was really in ancient Israel. But the evidence suggests, compared to women, men had more control over who they married, which makes sense. Okay. Um, in order to marry a girl, a man would give her father a gift called a mohar in Hebrew, which would seal the betrothal between the bride and husband-to-be. Betrothal was much firmer commitment than today's engagement. Although some people think of the betrothal gift as a purchase price, this is inaccurate. 
Anthropologists call this gift the bride wealth. It is found that in many societies throughout the world, it is not considered a sale of people in those cultures. Israel, Israelite wives were not thought of slaves in biblical texts, though sometimes men did marry slave women. Some length of time after the ritual of the wedding festivities, often involving um, days of feasting, would occur. Um, in biblical texts make it clear that marriages between cousins were strongly preferred. I don't know about that. Yeah. There Biblical texts make it clear that they're strongly preferred. Yeah, marriage with non-Israelites are treated by different, differently by, by different tests. Although some passages either limit or prohibit marriages between Israelites and non-Israelites. Well, so even in this, birth, they talked yes. about being married within the tribe of Levi. Yeah, which like which, technically could be a relation. Oh, that's yes. what they mean by cousins, yes, maybe, maybe. Like, yeah. within your tribe. Yes. Okay, because mm-hmm. scripture definitely talks about that. Yeah. yeah. Specifically cousins. Yeah. That's so, and how close of cousins. Yeah. Right. Like kissing First cousins. Second cousins. Fifth cousins? Yeah. Like fifth cousins. It's basically strangers. That's allowed anywhere. It's basically strangers. Fifth cousins are allowed anywhere? I think so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I could marry my fifth cousin right now. Well, yeah, no. You're already married. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> but, you can't be a fully so, It's to illegal to have more than one spouse. <laughs> but, uh, I, I guess since I'm single, I technically can marry <laughs> You can marry your fifth cousin. I, there you go. Do you even do have, you have a fifth cousin? cousin? I don't even know what a fifth cousin is, nor have I ever thought about it. Exactly. exactly. But it's there's probably, so, what I'm saying is, but they're, far, they're far enough removed that it doesn't. I don't think it would matter. I would, I'm definitely going to check anytime I go on a date now. Like, hey, pool. Are you my fifth cousin? <laughs> no, okay, I'm just going to be like, okay. talk to me about your family history. Let's see it. The plot round. Okay. Pull up my family tree. Let me check something real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a pocket version of my family tree. Just open it up. <laughs> Nope, we're good. <laughs> All right. Let the date continue. You, you, can, you can keep talking. <laughs> Sorry, I paused. Um, okay. Because <laughs> you're like, so, with the biblic- looking for a biblical marriage, and by that, we don't want to marry cousin. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Listen, there's all kinds of people. Wow. Yeah. That's true. Um, I'm not anyways, here to judge. I'm okay. just not trying to marry a cousin. <laughs> I, I Morgan, oh, I can marry my fifth cousin. Okay. <laughs> is normally spoon scale yes but we have decided mm-hmm. um that for this theme biblical fiction we will not be doing a spoon scale it felt very strange to us Especially to rate book. the characters in this book which were moses aaron, aaron. how swoony is moses feels a little bit sac- sacrilegious it's, yeah so we're not going to do that we're not going to do it we're so foregoing it for the whole biblical fiction theme, theme. So. Don't be sad though. We will bring it back in full we'll force in in other uh, don't you worry episodes for sure. Um, so swing scale no, moving right along. Um, God factor. Does anyone want specifically to go first? Um, sure, I can. Okay. Um, I I definitely. I mean, again, this is a very familiar story to mm-hmm. me. So it was. I mean. That can be hard. I mean, it can be hard to write a story that is so, like, write a fictionalized story about a story that is so well-known. I can't imagine. I mean, that's going to be difficult to do. Um, But something I did really like about uh, this is Miriam's kind of um, inner dialogue about, uh, like, desiring relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Like, as she was watching Moses specifically, but Aaron sometimes too, like literally hearing the audible voice of God and going up and communing with him, like yes. experiencing his presence 
and like seeing his presence in the cloud and in the fire and seeing his presence descend on the mount the mountain of god um like literally getting to see it but like never getting to be like in communion with his presence the way moses was yeah. or getting to hear his voice the way moses did yeah. and um how she talks about how like she just like yearned for like that sort of friendship with god because yeah. moses like had friendship with god um and how like jill eileen smith kind of like makes this this cast into the future of you know miriam's longing she's like i just will there be a day when i can call god my friend and mm. hear his voice at any moment and feel his presence at any time and I thought that was beautiful, and I never want to take for granted the fact that I, I can, I, we have Jesus, and mm -hmm. Jesus tore the veil that separated, um, you know, the the whole the most holy place that reserved it just for the priests. He ripped that in half, and now we as believers have twenty four seven access to the presence mm -hmm. of God, mm -hmm. and I never want to take that for granted. Um, and so that that was probably the, the thing mm -hmm. that struck me the most about this book was just that those call outs to Jesus and just feeling like very thankful that okay no one's going to have a relationship with God like Moses did because God's relationship with each of us is going to be individually unique and obviously God's relationship with Moses was very cool and unique yeah. but we all get to have that friendship and communion with with the Lord that in a way that pre-New Testament yeah, uh, believers yeah. never did and only dreamed about Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Morgan? Um, so for me, again, like it's a story straight out of the Bible. So there's a lot of God stuff in it. Um, for me specifically, the thing that stuck out on this one is the idea, um, and it was repeated kind of over and over, um, that trust God first and everything else will follow. Mm -hmm. um, this was said... You know, to like Miriam would say it like to herself to encourage herself. She would say it to groups of people if they were grumbling. It's like we need to trust God first, like blindly trust, and then everything else will follow. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes it's easy, but a lot of times it's hard it's to like do. Most times it's tough, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes, especially if you were um, in this situation. But right, exactly in this wait. situation, I can't even imagine. Um, but that was just something that really stuck out to me because right in this kind of time, like how. Because, yes, God did deliver them from Egypt. Yes, he has protected them every step of the way. But they're still also dealing with a lot of stuff. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. They were slaves for hundreds of years. They watched all these like terrifying plagues happen. There's so many things that happened that were like, uh, right, I know God's good, but look at all this awful things also that are happening terrifying. right exactly <laughs> like the very scary nature of god exactly mm -hmm. yeah um so Fear. and right even some of the ways that god like responded when he would get angry with the israelites in the wilderness oh yeah is scary so so that would have been hard so i just like even just the kind of um intense focus on trust that that Miriam kind of specifically which makes sense because it's it's her story really it's like we need to trust God and she was just always encouraging people okay like trust and then um Jephuna would encourage Miriam if she yeah. started that that he would step up and he's like remember trust God first like we need to trust God and um and then everything else after that will follow and I I just really liked that that concept 
Yeah, um, I think that kind of ties to what I was going to talk about. I, I think, too, it's so easy for us to, as, especially if you grew up in the church, you've heard this story a million times. Mm-hmm. And, like, you, as we, you know, sang earlier, there's songs, there's, like, it's just a very common, like, no matter what part of the story, like, and even, like, in in the, like, throughout the Bible, they always reference, like, the deliverance from Egypt and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff and the exodus. It's, yeah. Literally, the whole book is the exodus, meaning, like, to leave a place. Um, yes. And so I think for me, the the God factor was also thinking about it through the lens of like, how has there been things in my life that like I've been, I've come out of, but when I look at what I'm standing in front of, it doesn't look like what I thought God was bringing me to. Hmm. And how many times have then I, in my way of like, well, you know, it, 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 it was better before. I've, I've had this one with like a job or something where like you were in a toxic, like I've been in toxic jobs and you're, you're, you're in that job and then all of a sudden you get out of it and then something is hard about something and sometimes you're like, well, at least that was a danger that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I, I think sometimes that we can yeah. forget so quickly, like in, even if we see God move in its limits and like granted, like most of us don't experience, I'm not going to say all, but a lot of us aren't going to experience deliverance in the way that the Israelites did <laughs> sure. um, back in the Bible. But I will say that a lot of us have situations that we don't even know that God has delivered us from or things that mm-hmm. he shielded us from mm-hmm. or things that he's taken us out of. And sometimes our own wilderness, if it's longer than what it is, because sometimes it's even that like you're trusting God for the faith that like whether you like want a kid and can't have a kid or you want to get married or you're looking for financial freedom or you want to have a job and you're, you know, unemployed, whatever those things yeah. are, or like, you know, you're struggling with an illness, you know, and also what, whatever that wilderness is at times, it's easy to forget that in the wilderness, there's a learning season there yeah. and that you can learn how to trust God in a deeper way because you were trusting him the whole time you were in Egypt, quote unquote. Right. Um, for deliverance but what happens sometimes and I just think that that, that was a good like yeah. reminder for me yeah. of like that story is like we all were an Israelite who was enslaved in a way in our lives yeah. we were all and yes Christ said it's free but there's also things that we get enslaved to in our lives that then when, when we come out of that sometimes then if the deliverance doesn't look like what we thought or then but then not only that which is how the Israelites felt and then also the Egypt side of it I think that that's yeah. just like or sorry the wilderness side of yes. the yeah. Um, can just be an interesting thing that all of a sudden you're provided for. You have water and manna and even quail and these things that, that like God clearly had his hand was all over it. Yeah. And he was trying, but then they would get bored and distracted and angry that things weren't moving as fast as they are. Yeah. So I think for me, it was a good reminder of like God's timing is so different than ours. Mm-hmm. And if, <laughs> if, if I can think back to, but God, you yeah. brought me here to X, you know, cause yeah. there's all things that were that are hard and we are tired of waiting or whatever it is. And most of us aren't going to experience 40 year wilderness, but there's a lot of it that like things can feel like that, even yeah, if they're absolutely. 40 days or 40 hours. So, yeah. or 40 minutes sometimes. So I just think that like watching yeah. kind of that, that side of it and, and remembering even in that though, God was still good, even absolutely. in their complaining and wondering and, and yes, was there things that they didn't get, get to see in, in the lifetime, but that's also the old Testament version, yeah. you know, of, you know, not he's because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. But we now have Christ who atones for us, and mm-hmm. you know, yeah, exactly. So, anyways, mm-hmm. that was my God moment. That's mm-hmm. awesome. All right, um, highlight slash lowlights problems. Anyone want to start? My mine aren't very strong. Would it make sense for me to start? Yeah, go for it. Shells are stronger. No, not really. Oh, okay. Um, so my highlights. Uh, we talked about this a little bit, but I really liked the Zipporah character. Um, I thought she was basically the one character that had some kind of interesting character development and 
growth, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, everyone else was pretty was relatively like as you read them in the Bible. There wasn't just a ton of character development, I thought, in the characters. Um, but Zipporah was interesting and had a little bit more perspective. And I also really liked the portrayal of family life, which now that you read that thing mm-hmm. a bit about Jalaline Smith, yes. like being mm-hmm. very interested in life in um, biblical times, especially biblical in times. women's minds. Yes, like I liked kind of um, even just the like kind of picturing like um, Yaakov had carrying the baby kind of under her cloak, um, talking about just like, you know, them preparing food, um, the process of helping women give birth, like just kind of the everyday things. Um, I thought that that was just really, really interesting. Um, It's basically my world right now, so it's always interesting to see how women in other times have have done that. Right, exactly. Um, and then I actually didn't, I didn't have any problems with this. Like I said, it wasn't my favorite book or anything, but there was nothing to me that was really problematic or that I like vehemently hated. I didn't even think, I thought that it could have been much more graphic, like in some of the plague descriptions and it wasn't, which I was actually kind of thankful for just because of how much I hate pestilence of any sort. So. Frogs. Right. Especially from locusts. Yeah. Lice. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah. those are mine. I would say for me... I think a highlight would probably be Miram and Japadef's. No. Japadef. Japadef. Good old Relationship, Japata. because it was kind of sweet throughout the novel, how they, like, you know. They did uh, have, like, a tender. Like, mm-hmm. and it started out that he knew her, but she didn't even know him. And so, like, there was a yeah. part, and she married him for, not only because that was what it was done in that time period, but to save her, her um, siblings. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I mean, I enjoyed that part. I definitely wish there was a little bit more, like, in that, but yeah. I've, I feel like that was kind of um, a sweet thing. I think a problem for me was how much Moses was in this book because that was not my expectation. <laughs> and I feel like I, especially, like, knowing that Moses has such a rich history and biblical things and studies, I really wanted... Miriam's mm-hmm. song to be louder than what it was. Mm-hmm. Wow, I like wow that. that was, that was a really good. good way to say that. <laughs> do what I can, do what I can. <laughs> um, yes, I think probably uh, my highlight was also Zipporah. Um, I liked that character. I also really enjoyed um, like the first few chapters. I think that was a hot, big highlight for me, where we got to see this um, juxtaposition of like the like wealth of Hatchets of, and mm-hmm. then like mm-hmm. Jacobed like trying to save her children. Um, that was I really enjoyed that first like part. There's like five parts of the mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. That first part I really liked that um, section of the book. Problems again. I mean, <clears throat> it's not really any problems as far as like, like problematic. Biblical things. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it followed scripture very closely. Mm-hmm. Um. I didn't love the the characters like in general. I just thought the characters were kind of um, more like one dimensional um, than I would have expected them to be, um, or would have liked them to be. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe uh, maybe I yeah not uh, whatever. But mm-hmm. that was like oh. Yeah. I kept thinking about uh, I don't. I'm sure that many listeners know of and have seen the movie The Prince of Egypt, mm-hmm. and I kept thinking while I was reading this book like what makes what made that film so um, so compelling? Like, what made that story so compelling? And I'm sure lots of people 
have a lot of things to say about how they don't like the Prince of Egypt. Sure. And there's certainly a lot of a lot of liberties that were taken mm-hmm. in that story. And sure. um, there's it's not you know a direct. <laughs> there's right. music in that verse by verse retelling of the story of Moses. Um, but it, I think what was so compelling about a story like that is, um, just like this fresh perspective mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. see Moses yes. as literally a prince of Egypt and you never, you don't really think of him necessarily as that yeah. when you're reading yeah. in scripture. And so it's that fresh perspective of the character yeah. that draws you into the story. Okay. And I think this book was really lacking those fresh perspectives. Yes. I wanted to see Miriam in a yeah. different way that I've never seen her before. And I didn't yes. really get that. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. But I I will say that if you're a fan of straight biblical fiction that doesn't really take a lot of liberties and the ones that they do take could almost be substantiated, you feel, I think this would be a book for you. Especially your teeth into it. Yeah. It would be easy to to sink your teeth into. So that was another episode. Um, Up next for our second one in our biblical fiction series is... Mark of the Lion, book one, Voice in the Wind, which buckle By yourselves Francine together. Rivers. Yes. yes. Buckle yourselves together. <laughs> buckle yourselves together, people. Listen. Um, it's going to be a crazy ride. It's going to be a crazy ride. Also, a little disclaimer. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to say this. I'm sure that we will talk about this in the episode, but it's definitely first part of a trilogy. This is a three-part trilogy. Yeah. And before, Versus a four-part trilogy? A three... Yes. Whatever. <laughs> You're right. Fair enough. Exactly. Versus any of the parts. And we strongly recommend you have all three parts at your disposal if you're going to read along. Because once you finish the first one, you will want to immediately pick up the second one. You may want to throw the first novel against a wall. That's very possible. And, and cry out in anguish. Mm-hmm. But then Which, you'll shortly after want to pick up the next one. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Just a heads up. But thanks for joining us. Yes. yes. Thank we'll you guys. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Follow us on Instagram at Redeeming Lit Podcast and be sure to subscribe on Apple or Spotify so you don't miss any episodes. If you have any questions or book recommendations, email us at redeeminglitpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, keep keep it lit. lit!